Hello and welcome to If Homeschool Walls Could Talk. I'm your host, Jenny Hahn. On this episode, I'm interviewing someone really special to me. It's my daughter, Madeline. She's here today to talk about her journey being homeschooled. And lest you worry, she will spare my feelings and not tell the whole truth. She definitely will air all the dirty laundry on this episode. And that's okay. That's what we want. We want the real deal, the real story. So thanks for joining me as I interview my daughter, Madeline Hahn. So this is kind of fun because this will be the only interview I've done so far or will do in the foreseeable future where we get to be in the same room. Yeah, because we're related (laughs) and quarantined together. So I get to be in the same room with you all the time. But now we get to be recorded for all those interested people who want to (laughs) know all about your experience being homeschooled. So, so far, I've only interviewed people who are homeschool moms. Mm -hmm. And I hope in the future I also get some homeschool dads, but I also want to interview people who have been homeschooled. So the easiest thing for me is to (laughs) use my own children. (laughs) Homeschool E. (laughs) Yes. And since you would probably consider yourself a homeschool graduate. Yes, definitely. Right. So I thought let's get your perspective on it and I know that because we've had lots of really good conversations about it over the years. Um, my friend Erin, who we inter- I interviewed in episode two, she always calls her oldest kid her first pancake. She yep. always mess up the first pancake. <laughs> <laughs> and we always called you the guinea pig. Yes, that's for sure. And we've talked a lot about that, just being the guinea pig, <laughs> the first pancake and how hard that is. And unfair in a lot of ways and so I'm not really like scared you're gonna like brag on me today or something but I I don't know I I've had all these things that I've been saving in case you one day had a (laughs) podcast and interviewed me on it so that you could finally air all that yeah I was waiting for a public platform yeah yeah, I feel pretty confident that all the stuff I've done wrong, you've already told me. So nothing will be a surprise <laughs> today. But we can still have fun exploring the story. Yes. Right? Okay, so um, if you would go ahead and just kind of tell us about your story of being homeschooled and what that was like and just whatever it is that you want to share. Well, I was homeschooled for, oh, I can't think of how many years now. Lots of years. What, 10 years. Well, what grade did you go to school? Like through what grade? Uh, kindergarten through third grade. That's when I went to school. And so I started being homeschooled in fourth grade. And I was actually really excited when you were like, we're going to pull you out of school. I was like, hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. Um, well, why was that? Why was that so exciting? I, it's been a while since then, like 11 years. So. I just remember that school was very stressful and I hated my uniform and I don't think I really had very many friends. So the idea that we could change that up and I could (laughs) stay home also I'm sure had something to do with anxiety because I've always been an anxious kid. But yeah, I was very excited. I was very excited to be homeschooled. (laughs) It's like, yes, let's do this. The enthusiasm went down a little bit once you started doing grammar and math. <laughs> You're like, wait, I have to learn stuff in homeschool. <laughs> well, um, I always liked the reading and the literature and I don't know, 
we did a lot of stuff that I thought was really fun. I love the astronomy projects that we did. That's my favorite too. If we could only study astronomy, <laughs> I'd be perfectly happy. We don't need to do any other science, <laughs> just astronomy. That's yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's changed a lot. Like <laughs> you've tried out a lot of different things. True. Um, which I don't know. It was kind of nice too. Cause it was like, if I hate this thing we're doing right now, odds are that in a year or two will change it anyway. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> my attention span is very short. Like my boredom threshold is very low. So if I'm bored or frustrated, then we don't stick with it. Well, and something, something that I think is really cool is that you and dad have been really willing to try different stuff and to change stuff around. So if I was like, I'm unhappy with this, it, that could actually go somewhere. I wouldn't have to like go on strike from school or <laughs> start a petition. It was just like, Hey, can we talk about this? And then something could change. So that was something that I really liked. Oh, good. I'm glad, glad we did that right. Yeah. So we've moved a lot. Yes. And how did that affect you as being homeschooled or affect you in general? Like, um, moving a lot gave me a lot of empathy for people who are new in situations because I have a lot of practice at being the new person. And it also gave me a lot of adaptability <laughs> To new situations. It was very hard. It was very hard because I was so anxious and I didn't realize I had anxiety for a really long time. Um, so that was hard because I had a hard time making friends because I was pretty shy. And I don't know. It was nice to be homeschooled though because we could we could like pick up, we could go somewhere and I wouldn't have to worry about like church was the most stressful part about that. Like I wasn't really ever stressed about school when we moved as far as I can remember. So it's really like the social having mm -hmm. to navigate a new social group and be around new people. Yeah. And most of the groups of homeschoolers that we've found communities with have been really, really nice people. Not so much at church. That's yeah. where I had more problems. More of a struggle. Yes. More of a struggle. So like just the knowing the homeschooled, kids and teens over the years that I've known um they all they all have stories about how they've been treated as a homeschooler like stigma and stereotypes and did you experience that like in those in those groups that you find um, yourself in mostly in delta just because of the nature of yeah in the town it was very delta utah it it was, it was a very odd place, very almost like going back in time. And so get a lot of the, oh, I'd be homeschooled, but I like people. I like to have friends. Like, you're so weird. The, the awkward silence when someone's like, you're homeschooled. I now have nothing to say to you. <laughs> Got a lot of that. Um, in general, just people will sometimes just be uncomfortable or they'll just assume that they're like, well, my school experience was pretty awesome. Or, um, I could never be homeschooled. I just sit, sit around and eat cereal all day. <laughs> like not how that works. Um, so stuff like that. 
So you just, you've been home, um, how long have you been home? Three weeks? Uh, it'll be four weeks on the 17th. Yeah. So as of this recording, um, we're in still mid-April and you, as of three <laughs> weeks ago, were in Panama. Yeah. Hiking a volcano having an epic adventure and then went back to Costa Rica where you were volunteering your time teaching English in a very small community there. Mm -hmm. And this was like the culmination of all your hopes and dreams was to live abroad and to be immersed in a culture and a language. And then COVID happened and ruined all the things. And now you're home. So that gives our listeners a little background on what you've been doing since you kind of like graduated. Yeah, it's interesting too, just a side note. I almost feel like I I graduated from homeschool in my junior year because my senior year I took classes at the local community college and I came back to help with the play, but I mean, obviously. <laughs> so I I didn't officially graduate, but I feel like I kind of was had wrapped up that stage of my life in my junior year and then my senior year was mostly uh going to the community college and working and then all the way until I left for Costa Rica yeah and the months before you left for Costa Rica you were just working full-time yeah I was just working well (laughs) I wasn't working full-time I had three part-time jobs so I okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) three part-time that made made full-time yeah more or less yeah so just thinking about that experience, because when you were in Costa Rica, it was with a group of volunteers. There were how many of you? There were 13 of us. 13. How many in that group were homeschooled? Uh, okay. I'm going to say something that may be a little controversial, but when people say, oh yeah, I was homeschooled for one year in middle school. I was like, oh, like, so I was homeschooled too. <laughs> and I'm like, Sure. I that's it, generous it might of be, you, you know. Might be a credit. little little judgy, but I like I don't know. I was homeschooled through high school and I feel like <laughs> um a, a part of me is like you're only a really a true homeschooler <laughs> if you go through high school being homeschooled. So there were a couple people who were like, Yeah, I was homeschooled for a year. But sometimes it was like, Yeah, I got really sick and so I didn't go to school and so I would consider myself probably the only homeschooler, like identity, identity, like only one who identified as, as that in the group. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know there was other people who had any. Had like there. one or two years. Yeah. Yeah. So did people try to relate to you on that or did you get a lot of the, the blank stares? Don't know how to carry this conversation further. I didn't bring it up a ton just because I don't know. It just didn't come up in conversation a lot, but I got equal parts got like, cause people then since it was kind of a different age group, it was 18 to 24 was the age range. I would get people asking, Oh, like, did you like it? Will you homeschool your kids? Which is something that has not really happened before. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, I want to. And then I would get a lot of the, Oh, I don't know if I could ever do that which is interesting because that's the thing you normally get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. To think of like young adults talking about that and thinking about that. I 
so my previous guest, Stacy, she's mm-hmm. she's younger than me, and for her to like seriously consider homeschooling, and her younger sister that they were just like, yeah, okay, this is a possibility. That didn't exist in my twenties. <laughs> like nobody was talking about homeschooling when I was in my twenties. So the fact that you guys are having a conversation about this now just shows how much our culture has changed to see that that happening. Yeah. That's it pretty was, wild. It was def- definitely interesting, but yeah, people were just like generally nice about it. Didn't get too many blank stares. Uh, a couple people, but <laughs> <laughs> it still happens. It can happen. So I wanted to explore a little bit. We were talking the other day about um, mourning, being in mourning for having to come home mm-hmm. from Costa Rica and trying to get out back out there as soon as possible. <laughs> and then um, also just mourning the things you felt like you lost in your teen years because of your struggle with anxiety and how that affected your education. It affected your friendships, it affected like every aspect of your life and then trying to like process that and realize what you missed out on. And so I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about your experience with anxiety and, and being homeschooled and education in general, just anything you want to share with that. Yeah. So I, I mean, retroactively, there's a lot of stuff when I was, like till I was 10 that's retroactively a lot of like oh that was anxiety but it really hit hard when I was 11 and it I dealt with that undiagnosed for five years was it when I was 16 or 15 when I was uh 15 is when we got you into therapy that's yeah when it really so I was hard. officially diagnosed when I was 15 so that was about four years and that was, I mean, it sucked. Yeah. It was really hard. Um, especially because, I mean, just going through puberty is hard and dumb already. But especially with anxiety, it's really difficult. Um, and I I turned into a woman very early, much earlier than most people I knew. And so that was, that was really hard. And... I dealt with that mostly by exercising, exercised a lot. So it's one, one good thing, I guess, that came out of that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was some self-medication. <laughs> yes, that was definitely self-medicating. self-medicating. Um, I guess when I got into high school is when really kind of ramped up extra. I mean... When we lived in when we lived in Utah, it was really really bad for six months, and it got better when we moved to Washington. But it was kind of like just like up and down. It would get better and it would get worse. Um, but around high school is when I really started to have like use anxiety to fuel things because, for anyone who doesn't really know, like dealing with constant anxiety. Um, it can make you really, really productive or super unproductive. And I was very high functioning. So I like, for example, when I think I was a sophomore, I was taking a really crazy intense writing and speaking class. I was taking an online uh, math and science class and I was taking a Shakespeare class 
You're well, helping teach. I was helping teach a Shakespeare class. Was that really? Yeah. <laughs> I know. In retrospect, I have no idea why I did this. Well, I, I mean, your dad and I also were like, well, she's just really ambitious. Like now, because I've had fr- the, our friend who mentored with you was like, oh, Madeline's amazing. I'm like, she was self-medicating. <laughs> she was fueled by anxiety that year, you know, I, because we looking back now can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that was end of 2016, beginning of 2017 was the Madeline... <laughs> Madeline destroyed herself year. Yeah. Um, and I basically, it was 100% anxiety fueled. Like I would get up and I would just do stuff and just try to be busy. And that's why I did all the things that I did is I was just trying to like stay ahead of the anxiety and wear myself out. And I did such a good job that I wore myself to the out to the point where I couldn't do anything anymore. And I had really bad burnout slash depression that whole summer. Um, That was really terrible. I think that's probably the worst I've ever, like my depression's ever gotten. That's when I started having That's really, yeah. Because you would have really terrible anxiety, Mm -hmm. but it hadn't yet turned into depression. And then- No, the anxiety turned into depression. And that was really hard because I'd always self-medicated by doing stuff, but with depression, you can't do anything. Yeah. (laughs) It's impossible. So I think, is that when we found Lydia or did we find? Yeah, that was that summer because we had traveled and you flew home, flew home early because you couldn't even enjoy the trip. No, every day, anxiety sucks. (laughs) Anxiety sucks, people. (laughs) Um, every day was just, I was just in such like emotional, I don't know, mental pain. Like it was so hard even thinking about it. (laughs) Um, so I flew home, but something that, I don't know, people don't really tell you can't really run away from anxiety because it's in your head. And it follows you wherever you go, like a creepy stalker. (laughs) Um, So, I don't know. In in regards to, I guess, with with homeschooling and just life, anxiety, like, I just used it as, like, a fuel for a really long time until I had nothing left. Until I, like, I don't know, it said, like, the other day, like, I broke that button. Like, the, the... You wore it out. Yeah. Think of like, I don't know if you're in a rocket and you like press the like special fuel and it's all <laughs> and you use that until you realize you not only have no special fuel, you have no fuel at all, and you've broken your engine. <laughs> yep. It's a very weird, complicated metaphor, but it works. It totally it. works. Um and so that made it so in in Washington, you can take classes at the community college for free, basically your junior and senior year. And if you qualify, if you qualify, which means you have to do entrance exams, the entrance exams. Yeah. They're very easy. I basically think that because I had anxiety and depression and I didn't know how to deal with it is the reason that I probably didn't finish my associates because I only started doing that my senior year because my junior year, I was just coming out of this terrible, terrible depression 
Well, and you wouldn't even talk about it. No, because like that sophomore year, we couldn't even have a conversation about the idea of doing that program. No, it, it made so me so anxious. And I don't think you guys really understood because dad brought it up a lot. Yeah. And it would just send so me into panic triggering. attacks. Yeah. It was it was awful. Um, so that the my junior year, was that Quest 3? Um, that sounds right. Yeah. My junior year, I did the the writing class again, but I basically just did like that one thing in Shakespeare, I think. Did I do Shakespeare? What year was that? You were 17. I was 17. So 2018. It's 2018. Yeah. You took the ACT. I was 16, 17. I took the ACT. Um... You got into Running Start, the community college program. No, that was my senior year. I got into Running Start. Well, you did it your junior year and then took... Yeah. That spring, you turned 17, you took all the entrance exams, and then the fall is when you... Oh, yeah. Because you only took the community college classes your senior year. Yeah. But 2017 is when I started going to therapy. Mm Mm-hmm. And... But then your therapist left. Then my therapist left. But the few months I did it was really important and very awesome because I was like oh wait there's this thing that is helpful (laughs) that I can do but then my therapist left and I tried out a couple different ones but we really didn't click and my anxiety and depression got worse because now it was like they were friends and they (laughs) found each other and were like yeah we're just gonna hang out in your brain forever um (laughs) really horrible Siamese twins yeah You've been here the whole time. <laughs> I'm attached to you. Don't you know? Ooh. <laughs> visual. Um, yeah, that's actually really creepy. I don't want to think about that. Okay. Um. Yeah. So that year, your senior year, you, oh no, your junior year. So you found. Junior Lydia. year, found Lydia. Lost Lydia. Lost Lydia. That was very hard. And um, then we were just, you were like surviving. No, yeah. The, I really like the word for that in Spanish. It's sobreviviendo which is almost living almost living yeah that's what Um, you were doing i think yeah because then you finished the big supreme court simulation and it was like the bottom dropped out of my life because these people so the class is called quest it was three semesters long ish and it was so it was crazy intense had papers and orals but it was the same group of four people that stuck it through like all all the three semesters and we got really close and then it was done and one of the guys graduated and the other guy went back to public school and it was just like my group that I would see every week and we'd like been through so much together was just gone and uh that's also when my Michaela moved I think Michaela moved around then or she's my friend said that she had to move to Seattle. She ended up moving to Texas, but she, it was, it was a many month process. It was, it was like a year long process, but she stopped coming to our Commonwealth school Mm -hmm. and her brother was the one in your class. Yeah. So your friend group, my friend group dissolved seminary got really, really hard. And that summer, Seminary is your early morning religion class. Seminary, early morning religion class. 
yeah, my first two years were really good. Um, my, my sophomore year was partly fueled by anxiety because we actually had this whole thing where we had to leave our house because it flooded. And I was so anxious and I like needed to have something to do so bad that like I would cry if I couldn't go to seminary. It was so overwhelming to not be able to like go and do something. To not stick with your routine. Yeah, because that was like the thing I was clinging to. Um, so that summer after your junior year, you were teaching piano lessons? Like what did you, I just feel like you were just barely hanging on there that whole summer. Yeah. It was, it had been better, but it was kind of cycle was started like freshman year, like school year was anxiety and summer was depression. Yeah. Like I guess my, my freshman, over. my freshman year, it was just all anxiety. So it's like anxiety all the way through sophomore and then depression. And then it was anxiety during the school year, depression during the summer. You would have a bad it would be bad over like the Christmas break. It would be really bad too. over Christmas break. I would count down the days until I could go back to school. Um, then my senior year changed because then it was just all depression. And here you are trying to take college classes. Yeah, I was taking two college classes a semester and they were actually easier than my, my quest class, my really hard class. So I think that's part of the reason I managed to do that. But it was really hard because I felt like I'd, I'd lost my friend group. I'd lost my community. I'd lost, like, uh, I was like, my ability to function hadn't really been functioning, <laughs> high functioning. Um, but it was like, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, like, it just felt very dark and awful and not fun. Um, and about a year ago is when your dad mentioned the international language program yeah it was yeah it was because you were ago. again we're trying to talk to you about college yeah and, and i was couldn't like even like have that conversation no it made me so anxious to talk about the future at all because all i could see was just that it would repeat the past and i would just be anxious and depressed and like i i couldn't even articulate it like that i would just be like ah don't talk to me and i would start crying yeah um but that's when dad mentioned, yeah, ILP, International Language Programs. And that was the first time I'd really felt like excited and hopeful about the future. And I was like, and I researched it and I spent like hours on the website and I applied and I agonized over my little like, you know, one paragraph long essay that I had to write. <laughs> and that was just the very beginning of the application. Didn't realize there'd be over the phone interviews and stuff. Yeah. It's like, it has to be perfect. Um, but I applied for that and I got in and at first I was going to go to Mexico in the fall, but then I realized that I actually wanted to work longer and save up more money. So I changed it to the spring and then I had something to look forward to and it started getting better. Cause then that March we tracked down my therapist <laughs> to the other clinic she'd gone to and um, started going to therapy again and she really helped. She's the best plug to Lydia. Um, <laughs> she is the best. Lydia is awesome. And so I started getting better and I felt like I had kind of, I don't know, like I felt like I was getting better and we did the play. And for the first time, and so I graduated seminary, which helped a lot. 
And for the first time, I wasn't like dreading the summer. And and, and we, you'd gotten a job. I'd gotten a job at a landscape firm that they just like, I went in for the interview and they're like, you're hired, <laughs> which felt really good. Cause it was like these people who I'm not related to, who I don't know at all are like, I mean, that's the one, one thing about homeschooling is you are so close to everyone that sometimes when people are like, you're awesome. You're like, mm. you're like my cousin or my aunt, basically. <laughs> you know me too well. You know me too well. So so it's nice to have an objective third party say, yeah, you're awesome. That was nice. I, I got to be involved with the play. I got to be Dogberry, which is my first kind of comedic role and much to do about nothing, which was so much fun. Um, but I was definitely feeling that, that, uh, senioritis, like, like, Oh, look at all the young people. <laughs> They're <laughs> so, so little. little. Yeah. So I got a job. We ended up going on a crazy funeral road trip which lasted a while but my job was really understanding and they're like it's okay that your great-grandparents died like we'll keep your job for you um and so when we got back I started work which was my first job job because I'd always been self-employed also (laughs) oh my goodness that year taking three classes and I was working and I was going to in retrospect, it's like all the How did I survive? How did I even survive that? I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was like my first actual job. job, And I actually got hired full-time, but it was such a small company that they could only employ me part-time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I worked in that for six, five or six months. It was from July to December. And then I got another job. And... About two months in to my job, my Lydia and I were, Lydia was like, I think, well, I don't know, it was either you or like my parents and I and Lydia and like all the people were like, have you thought about medication? <laughs> and we'd had this conversation like four or five times in the space yeah. of like, I don't know. I feel like the first time you brought it up was here for sure. Well, I think it's when we moved in because like when we moved in here, so that was about like four years ago is I think when you were like, you know, if you ever decide to go on medication and I was like, no, 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 I'll be fine. Like I'm doing fine. Look at me. I'm in. Well, it was all lip service. I didn't want you to go on medication. Yeah. I felt like if you did, I had failed as a mother mm-hmm. that we could not figure this out on our own. So yeah, it was, it was me <laughs> just, I was paying lip service to it. But I didn't mean it. <laughs> Well, I mean, yeah, because, and I was all like, oh yeah, sure. If it ever gets bad enough in my head, I'm like, no, I'm totally handling this. Look at me. Look at all the stuff I'm doing. Not realizing doing stuff and mental health are not like. That's not a fix. <laughs> not correlation is not causation right there. Yeah. Um, so actually seriously considered going on medication and. Part of it was that summer, here you were working at a job that you wanted. Mm-hmm. So you were outside, didn't have to talk to people. I, I didn't have, like, my only obligation was to go to work. Yeah. So you're, all these things were taken away, all these stressors. Mm-hmm. You were doing work you liked. You were working towards a goal you were passionate and excited about. And yet you were still having constant anxiety and, and that, still battling depression. And that was the thing where I was one of the, like, when it really clicked and I'm like, this is not 
This is not like the circumstances. This is not situational anxiety. This is, this is like the chemicals in my brain are not working properly. Yeah. And so. I think part, like I just kept telling myself when you were un, under so much stress, when you mm-hmm. were finally out, released out of the woods, all, out of the woods, all the stress, you'll feel better and you'll just be normal all the time. And it didn't, it didn't yeah, get better. It didn't happen. And yeah. And I talked, talked to my therapist a lot about it. And she was like, yes, <laughs> go on medication. <laughs> like, and got, was really lucky because I could just go to my normal doctor. And I got really lucky because the first medication I tried worked almost immediately. Like, not even hardly like a waiting period. I know, period. he said it would like, be like 10 days. He or said it would be weeks. 10 days, but. You felt better, like. The first, well, the first day, probably placebo effect, because I was like, I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but it. <laughs> it got better immediately and it just kept getting better. And I think that was the best decision I've ever made <laughs> was to go on medication and still like my, my medication bottle has like a special little place on my shelf. <laughs> <laughs> I carry it with me. Like when I went to Costa Rica, it was like in my backpack on the airplane and like a special spot. <laughs> okay, like this will not be lost. No, this is, if I lose, all of my clothing and my toothbrush <laughs> and all my money. If I have my medication, I'm going to be okay. I think back to um, that first, I don't remember what day it was, a week into Costa Rica when the kid bit you. Oh, those two you, weeks. Yeah. Those two weeks you got bit. Yes. And I was at a writer's conference and got a text from you that, you know, <laughs> I need to talk to you right now. And of course you're in tears, mm-hmm. you know, you're so frustrated and so upset and distraught and like, and I, and I immediately kicked into Madeline in crisis mode because yeah. it was on a, something I'm really familiar with. <laughs> yep. You know, and then to have you say, oh no, I'm going to be fine. I totally got this. This is nothing compared to being anxious. Like I'm going to be fine. I just need to be listened to for a minute. And I was like, oh, oh, I don't need crisis mode. I can shut that down. Like it just blew my mind that you could just handle the situation, just have a good cry and then be like, no, I'm okay. It'll be fine. Yeah. I was like, who is this person? This is amazing. Literally so many miracles. I'd always had like a phobia of swallowing things, but two like swallowing pills, but two weeks before I started my medication, like it literally just went away. And I started my medication and it just got more and more awesome and life was brighter and I didn't have seasonal depression and Christmas was fun and I wasn't super anxious about leaving. And literally, literally my dad was like, you can't go to Mexico and just switched it around and went to Costa oh, yeah. Rica. I didn't even tell anything like, about that. Yeah. No, because it was November. It was two months before I was supposed to leave. And my dad was like, I just really feel like, like this city in Mexico. I'm not comfortable with you going there. I will help you make up the difference. If you want to choose a different country here, here are the options. And it was like Costa Rica or something else. I don't know. A different place in Mexico. It was a different place in Mexico or Costa Rica. And I was like, okay, Costa Rica, but it's $1,700 difference. So you have to help me make that up. Or no, it wasn't $1,700. It's 1200 Yeah. Not important. But I was able to adapt to that, which... At the same time, while I was kind of like frustrated and upset, 
I was all like, wow. <laughs> Look at me There's, just rolling with punches. I know. It was, the, the wonderful thing about that is every time I was like feeling upset or frustrated, I would be like, oh, I'm so upset. <laughs> I'm not anxious. <laughs> <laughs> it made it really hard to be in a bad mood. Because I would be like, I'm in a bad mood, but I'm not depressed. <laughs> Woohoo! I'm experiencing the normal range of emotions yeah. for most people. It's like normal range of emotions coupled with like giddy, giddy, like, just, I don't know, happiness. And then all the circumstances having to leave only halfway through. Was it halfway yeah. through? It was the program. It was technically seven weeks. Seven but that last, that last week there, we were just hanging out not knowing what was going yeah the schools were all shut down yeah you couldn't even go teach and do what you were there to do mm -hmm. and then you came home and like I just see how hard that's been on you but how much harder it probably would have been had you not had the tools you have now yeah the tools and drugs drugs are awesome <laughs> <laughs> it's my it's my favorite joke yeah <laughs> that drug, drugs are awesome yeah um but yeah i it's definitely it's been quite the experience yeah so this is the question that you super hate okay which is what are you gonna do now and i know you hear this so much from your dad and i you hear it from your siblings you hear from every adult whoever talks to you and i know it's not your favorite but that's you know that's it is something legitimately that people ask about kids who are homeschooled. Like, what, yeah. what is the plan and what is it that you want to do? Because, and it's just a snapshot of where you are right now. It doesn't mean this is what is yeah. going to happen. You know, part of, part of that is sometimes people are just so shocked that you were homeschooled all the way through high school. They're all like, whoa, so what now? <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you survived? <laughs> You're here? Do you know how um, to go to I know. <laughs> college? Like, do you know how to talk to other people? Funny, funny story. Um, at the Running Start orientation. The so Running Start is the... Running Start is the program where you can go to the community college and get your associates for free, basically. And at the orientation for that, the lady presenting said something along the lines of this is college now your mom's not gonna wake you up and make your lunch and make you do your homework and like you're not gonna be badgered all the time your professors aren't gonna like constantly tell you to do stuff and i turned to mom and i was like i already do all of that stuff yeah <laughs> is this is this what the transition is like for public school students like, is this something that's really hard? Because it was so genuinely baffling to me that they, I don't know, that it was news to be expected to be responsible for your own education. Well, I think that you're going to find, you're going to find public schoolers who are self-starters too mm -hmm. and totally own their education. And you're going to find homeschoolers <laughs> whose parents have been dragging them along. 100%. But yeah. the fact that there was a ma sizable majority, that this was a, an important point, just kind of like blew my mind a little bit. That's true. There was like hundreds of people in this gymnasium. And, <laughs> and that was Excuse the majority me. of the orientation was you, your mom can't call your professor and ask questions about your assignments. Yeah. You know, trying to prepare kids for that. So... After after being in Costa Rica, as for what's next, I am definitely not ready to go to college yet. I'm going to take some classes at Clark just while the craziness is going on. 
but as soon as I can, I'd like to be out volunteering, whatever form that takes central, central America. Yeah. It's my new favorite place. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because you did apply to colleges mm -hmm. last I, fall. I got into BYU and I think SVU as well. You got a piano scholarship. I got a piano scholarship at SVU. Yeah. Yeah. But you're like, nah, <laughs> I got stuff to Essentially, do Essentially, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, thanks BYU. That was nice. But it's interesting because like as a parent and I the, the traditional path of graduate from public school, go on to college, you know, mm -hmm. like to me, it's like, okay, well, but this is going to be okay. Right. Like you can just not go and it'll be fine. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, even though I've like preached this to you to find your path, find your purpose. Don't go into debt for college. Don't go to college if you don't even know what you want to do. Like I've been saying all these things, it's still contrary to what I did. So I'm like, okay, yeah. The admissions board isn't going to come hunt me down. <laughs> like, you said you wanted to come and now we you're let you in and now you're not coming. <laughs> the nerve. We threw money at you. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely, right now I have a job at a warehouse, which pays well. Not, doesn't require any skill or brain power or anything, but it's good and I'll always be able to say I got a job during COVID, which not many people can. I feel very lucky about that. Um, but right now, just kind of sock away money and save up and wait until I can leave again. Because being in Costa Rica, I didn't, like teaching was fine. But being there, I was like, I just want to serve and I want to live abroad forever. Like, One thing we didn't mention is that you've studied Spanish since you were like 12. Yeah. And what you really wanted was an immersion experience mm -hmm. to not just be in a classroom speaking, but to be around people. Yeah. And that's what you found so rewarding. It was, there. it was magical. <laughs> it was amazing. And I spoke the most Spanish in my group and it was so much fun because I was the translator and I was super needed <laughs> all the time. And I just like, I had to, cause we were literally just <laughs> people spoke Spanish and they didn't. And I did. So <laughs> We had to figure out how to communicate. And so I just, I loved that so much. And I love, I loved just helping people and making a difference um, in the lives of these kids, even though we were only there for a very short amount of time. And so I, two weeks before we had to leave, I was just like, I'm not ready to go to college. I, I want to do this. I want to do this again until I, feel like I want to do something else. Yeah. I think that's, that's the best way to take the next step is saying, this is, I, I know this is what I really want to do mm -hmm. and to pursue that versus like, well, my mom says I should probably <laughs> do this. But I mean, if you ever want me to tell you what to do, I have so many ideas. <laughs> so I'm 100% oh, with that. I know dad has lots and lots of ideas <laughs> for what you should do, but I love the fact that you are picking your path and you are figuring that out. Yeah. Even if like it doesn't work or it's harder than you thought or whatever it is, you know, it's your life. Mm -hmm. It's your path. Yeah. I think that's cool. Any other stories or anything you want to share about being homeschooled uh, or I'm trying to like, I'm trying to think, <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure I have lots, but I can't think of any off the top of my head. There was the one time where I got so frustrated with my math that I pulled out 
a bunch of my hair and stuck it inside the math book and then gave it to mom. And she was all like, oh my goodness. And I actually had like a little tiny bald spot on my heart. It was heart. so weird and passive aggressive. <laughs> I was like, what is even happening right now? Not sure what I thought that would accomplish or anything. <laughs> yeah. There's there some angry poetry that was written. There was a lot of angry poetry. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> but in general, like you're telling people, yeah, I'd like to homeschool my kids. Mm-hmm. So I didn't do irreparable harm probably. Oh, no. Nah. I mean, you were the first pancake, but. First pancake still tastes good. <laughs> Especially if you put lots of syrup or something on it. I don't know where this metaphor is going. I don't know if it's running away from us. <laughs> but it's interesting because I, you have five younger siblings and they've all had a different homeschool experience. Oh yeah. You know, they've all had different stories and different feelings about homeschool, whether or not they would yeah. do it, <laughs> you know? So it's just interesting to see, to see so much variety even within a family. Yeah. Something, something I do love is getting to know my siblings so well. We've spent a lot of time together. Yeah. <laughs> and even though they drive me crazy and I went through a phase where I did all my schoolwork in the laundry room to avoid them. I remember that. <laughs> Sitting on the dryer. Yep. Because it was warm. <laughs> <laughs> it was warm and quiet. And no one wanted to be in there. Um, like, I feel like we make a really good team and we are kind of a cohesive unit. And that's really cool to me, especially as the oldest sibling, because that's what I want is to have good relationships with my siblings that will last for a long time. That's awesome. So, yeah. Well, I know they look up to you. You guys do make a good team. Cool. (laughs) Thanks for being on. Yeah. Thanks for, you know, sharing these stories that are kind of vulnerable. And it was really hard, you know, all those years with poor mental health. So... But I'm glad that we just kept talking and we, I tried to just preserve our relationship first, but I didn't always do a great job at it. So, but I'm, I'm glad that we can sit here now and talk about it. And it's not, I mean, there's definitely, we didn't even go to how deeply I messed things up and how many skills I had to learn in order to parent you through all that, like a whole new skill set I had to learn to be the parent I needed to be for you. We didn't even cover that because really it's about your story, mm-hmm. you know, about your experience. So, so I really appreciate it. Yeah. And I didn't make you the first podcast. <laughs> you weren't the first pancake podcast. No. I you waited. figured out how to do it. I tried it out on other people. You did ask me though, like before you even asked. <laughs> like, I said at some point. Yes. At some point. Yes. Because I knew you would make a good guest. Aw. So there you go. I think I have been pretty awesome. (laughs) Yes, you have. (laughs) Thank you. So thank you. This has been another episode of If Homeschool Walls Could Talk. I'm your host, Jenny Hahn. And today our guest was Madeline Hahn, my daughter. So I'm so grateful that she was able to come on today and share her story with us. And we hope that you are all, all of you listeners are healthy and safe and that you're able to enjoy all this laughing and such that my daughter and I got to do today. So thank you for listening.